We meet today in Proverbs chapter 30, verse 1 to verse 33. In this one chapter are Proverbs by an unknown sage. His name is Agar. The first verse tells us all we know about this man's parentage. The words of Agar, the son of Jekyll, his utterance, this man declared to Ethiel and Ukal. Proverbs 30 verse 1. Now the identity of Agar is unknown, but he apparently was one of many sages well known during the monarchy. Ethiel and Ukal were evidently two of his students or companions or even sons. The proper names here are like all Hebrew names in that they do mean something. Aga means gatherer and Jeka means pious. Now, some versions translate the names as common nouns. The words of a gatherer and the sons and the son of the pious. Very interesting. He who has ascended into heaven or descended, who has gathered the wind in his feast, who has bound the waters in a garment, who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? And what is his son's name? If you know. Proverbs 30 verse 4. Now these questions express the feelings of inadequacy that Aga had as he thinks of the magnificent power and greatness of the creator of the universe. It is also interesting to note that these are some of the questions God asked Job. Who is able to answer such questions? The Lord Jesus said, No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. John 3 verse 13. This is why I constantly say that the Lord Jesus is the only authority on this matter of creation and the origin of the universe. And truthfully, I don't think that any of us has the correct explanation of the origin of the universe. Scientists do not. The very fact that they came up with the evolutionary theory means that they do not have the answer to the origin of the universe. The reason that we spend so much money to go even to the moon or to go to some of the planets to just come back with some rocks so that we might find out about the origin is there, but have we found anything? But the first verse of Genesis tells us that in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That is how it all began. And that's all we know. All the theories that we are coming up with when we have taken rocks from the moon, from one planet or whatever, it is man's futile attempt to understand the origin of the earth. And we have not found any satisfactory one. All we know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I also like the question Aga asked, who has gathered the wind in his fist? Just think, God holds the wind just like we might hold some articles in our hand. What a picture that is. Man knows very little about these things. In that same passage where the Lord Jesus said he was the one who came down from heaven, he also said, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes and 
where it goes. John 3 verse 8. Now, this is a tremendous thought. In other words, there is utter helplessness, utter inadequacy on the human part. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. Proverbs 30 verse 5. Now, nothing will clean up like the word of God. Every word of God is pure. It is better than any soap. It is a miracle cleanser. The word of God is pure. It is a shield to those who put their trust in him. Where do you shield? What is your recourse? What is your resource? God is. God is the shield. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. Proverbs 30 verse 6. Now this should make us cautious in our handling of the word of God. God doesn't mind calling a man a liar if he is one. So the statement comes here, do not add to his words. The warning in Revelation also applies anyone who adds or subtracts from this book of the law. God will punish. Here is Proverbs 30 verse 7 to verse 9. Two things I request of you. Deprive me not before I die. Remove falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food allotted to me, lest I be full and deny you, and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and still, and profane the name of my God. Now he asked for two things. Remove falsehood and lies far from me. Means I don't want to live among those who are vain and are flattering and are lying. It is like living in the rattlesnake den to live with people like that. And then he says, give me neither poverty nor riches. In other words, he says, let me take the middle of the road. I don't want to be an extremist either way. There is a generation that is pure in its own eyes, yet is not washed from its filthiness. Proverbs 30. Verse 12. Now, the word generation is actually used in verses 1 to verse 14. And that word is used to describe a particular group of many kind having common characteristics. And in verse 12 we are told there is a generation that is pure in its own eyes, yet it is not washed from its filthiness. Now, there are four evil generations. According to verse 11, there is one that refuses to honor father and mother. Then, in verse 12, the generation that is self-righteous. And verse 13, a generation that is proud and arrogant. And verse 14 is a generation that is cruel and oppressive. These characteristics are apparent in every generation. Now, we, let's talk just about the self-righteous generation. There are many church members who are like that. They are pure in their own eyes. They feel they don't need a savior. They are just religious. Also, there are people who are high up in business and politics who feel that they are pure. They are not guilty of wrongdoing. Even the down 
and out may be pure in their own eyes, but none of them is washed. The only way that any of us can be clean is to be washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. What shall wash my sin away? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. The leech has two daughters. Give and give. There are three things that are never satisfied. Four never say enough. The grave, the barren womb, the earth that is not satisfied with water, and the fire never says enough. Proverbs 30, verse 15 and verse 16. Now the word leech here, though not found elsewhere in the Old Testament, is derived from an Arabic root meaning to adhere, and it is translated in later Hebrew literature as blood sucker. So the leech then is a figure for the greedy and insatiable appetite of human desires. The grave, which is never filled with its victims, the barren womb, which continually longs for a child, the earth, whose thirsty ground is never completely satisfied with water, and the fire, which rages all the more as it is fed. We need to commit ourselves to the Lord for his control. The eye that mocks his father and scorns obedience to his mother, the ravens of the valley will pick it out, and the young eagles will eat it. Proverbs 30 verse 17 Terrible judgments are pronounced against those who turn against father and mother. God have mercy on the young people today who have turned against their parents who are believers in Christ. There are three things which are too wonderful for me. Yes, for which I do not understand. The way of an eagle in the air, the way of a serpent on the rock, the way of a sheep in the midst of the sea, and the way of a man with a virgin. Proverbs 30, verse 18 and 19. You see, Agar the writer didn't understand these things, and I don't either. I don't want to claim to understand it. It is only amazing. The truth presented in these verses is that all of these wonders of nature leave no trace. For example, the eagle soaring through the air leaves no scent or even footsteps. The serpent would mark its path in the sand, but on the rock its movements cannot be traced. The work of a ship on an open sea quickly disappears, and the way of a man with a virgin is modestly and mysteriously hidden. This is the way of an adulterous woman. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I have done no wickedness. Proverbs 30 verse 20. Now, this is a, a funny one actually indeed. Someone has eaten something and you wipe out your mouth and then say, I have done no wickedness. We are living in a day when this has come to pass. There are those who are living in sin and they will argue that they are not living in sin. Many times a girl born out of wedlock is even given the name that means purity. Well, in the first place, the child is not pure because all children are born with a sinful nature. In the second place, the name of the child would not change the fact that her mother was an adulteress. 
God says that adultery is sin and God has not changed his mind. Now why name that child purity or giving the child a name that supposes purity when you know that what was happening was not pure at all? That's what an adulterous woman does. You eat something, wipe your mouth and say, I have not done any wickedness. God hasn't changed his mind. He hasn't learned anything new from this generation. And God knew the sins that our generation would commit. And he has already written about them in the book of Proverbs. And he says that is wickedness. Here is Proverbs 30, verse 21 to verse 23. For three things the earth is perturbed. Yes, for four it cannot bear up. For a servant... When he reigns, a fool, when he is filled with food, a hateful woman, when she is married, and a maid servant who succeeds her mistress. Now, these verses express four evils which eat away at the root of society. First, there is the advancement of a servant to a regal position for which he is unprepared and unfitted. That was true of Jeroboam, who was a servant and became the first king of the northern kingdom of Israel and his successors like Basha, Ela, and Zimri. Then a fool who in ignorance and selfishness is overbearing. Then the rich fool our Lord Jesus told about who build bigger barns typifies a fool when he is filled with food. With financial successes like that, he was eating government food, of course. He was a fool, and he was filled with food. A hateful woman, vindictive and ill-tempered, who pours out her odious behavior upon her husband and children, sometimes a very poor person who has been walked on, suddenly becomes rich. There is no one who is more overbearing than such a person. Then finally, a maid servant who by supplanting her mistress becomes heir to the affections of her mistress' husband. This indeed is tragic. Now we are going to visit, moving from this, we visit the zoo to take a look at some of the animals there. Did you know that animals have a message for us? God created them for his many purposes. One of those purposes is to give a message to us. Here is Proverbs chapter 30, verse 24 to verse 28. There are four things which are little on the earth, but they are exceedingly wise. The ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their food in the summer. The rock badgers are a feeble folk, yet they make their homes in the crags. The locusts have no king, yet they all advance in ranks. The spider skillfully grasps with its hands, and it is in king's palaces. Now, <laughs> the earth is full of small, virtually unnoticed creatures. Yet Agar studied four inconspicuous species, and he found in them attractive traits that display wisdom. The tiny ends plan in advance for the long winter months by storing up food in summer. 
The rock badges build secure nests in the strongholds of rocks. The locusts stick together and move in unison, even without an obvious leader. Then the spiders do their skillful work in the king's palaces. Isn't that amazing? The lesson from nature in these verses concerns preparation for the future. Foresight and planning, self-building, teamwork, and excellence are valuable traits. If tiny creatures such as these exhibit such qualities, how much more should human beings who have been created in the image of God? Reflecting on these creatures, we do well to ask, in what ways do we need to improve our work today? There are three things which are majestic in pace. Yes, four, which are stately in walk. A lion which is mighty among beasts and does not turn away from any. Proverbs 30, verse 29 and 30. You see, the lion goes straight ahead and it doesn't detour. He is not afraid of the pussycats in the neighborhood. They don't frighten him. A lion is known for its unflinching boldness. And this should characterize the Christian as we earnestly contend for the faith. And I think the Apostle Paul, who in the face of suffering and persecution said, But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Acts 20 verse 24 It is said of Cromwell that he was a man without fear. When asked why, he said, I have learned that when you fear God, you have no man to fear. He was a man of cause, like a lion. That is the way the walk of the believer should be. The next animal is a greyhound. A greyhound, a male goat, also and a king whose troops are with him. Proverbs 30 verse 31. Now, the greyhound we are speaking of here is not the greyhound bus. I have used the greyhound bus several times. No, it is the creature. The Christian is to be like a greyhound in that he is to gird up his loins and run with patience the race that is set before him. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 to verse 2 tells us, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. The other animal mentioned in this verse is the goat. The mountain goat is a climber who lives up in the top of the mountains. He finds both pleasure and safety in the high retreat, you see. The lesson is plain to see. My friend, the believer who walks on the high places, as did Habakkuk, will be able to rejoice in the day of trouble. How does he rejoice? Habakkuk rejoiced, saying, Though the fig tree may not bosom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, 
and the field yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and be no head in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, he will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on my high heels. That is the core of the child of God, to walk on the high places. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please send a WhatsApp message or SMS to plus two seven seven two six four one four four seven five. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. I'll repeat that number for you. It's country code 27 followed by 7264144475. From within South Africa, it's 072-641-4475.